Thanks, Seth. Hey, good morning, Grace Hill. Good to see all of you this morning. Man, what a, what a blessing it was to be able to sing with you earlier um, those songs. I don't know if it was the purple sparklies or if it was just your voices. Um, you know, I, as we jump into this, I just want you to know how much I, and yes, all of our leaders, but I'll just, I'll just speak for me, how much I love you guys and care for you. I was just, went to the back of the room. I know this sounds maybe a little weird, but I was just looking at you guys worshiping and praying for each of you by name. And one of the unique vantage points that I get as one of the pastors here is I get to look out and see your faces. And for many of you, not all, but many of you, I, I know what you're going through. I know what you're struggling with. I know what's going on in your life. And so I was just sitting there praying for each of you by name and praying for those things and asking that the Lord would do something unique in your heart this morning. And I wanna, I wanna pray one more time for that. Holy Spirit, I just come before you humbly and I ask as we open up your word that if there is any obstacle in this room, that would prevent any of us from receiving the work that you want to do in us, that in the name of Jesus, you would remove it. Lord, if there's any obstacle, if there's any distraction, any anxiety, any stress, any future plans for the day, anything that's occupying our mind and our thoughts, I just pray that those would relax and that we could be fully engaged in what you wanna do. Lord, if there's any ego or fear, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would set those aside and that you would do a powerful work of healing and renewal in this room. In Christ's name, amen. As you know, we've been in a 10-week sermon series, Discipleship Journey, really called Formed. And we've been asking the question in this series, what does it mean that God wants to form in us Christ-like character? What does that look like? And so we said in the very first week, that the foundation of this character that Christ wants to form in us is his intervening grace in our lives. That, that this doesn't even start until God intervenes in our life through his grace, saves us from our sin, commits to us, makes a covenant with us, says, you are my people, you are my child. I am never going to leave you, even though you're not perfect yet, far from it. I'm with you now. And then he begins to do this work inside of us. God begins to do this, this work of forming character. And the reason that he does that is because he's put a calling on our life as well, that we are called to represent Christ, God, to the world. And that our character should mimic his character because our lives are designed to image him, to, to point to him in, in his kingdom, and that's the calling upon you and myself and, and the church 
at large. And so what that means is that God in our Christian life, after he does the work of saving us, begins to do a work of forming this character in us. It's a, it's a word that we call sanctification. God is doing this work of forming in us something new. He's building righteousness and goodness, the fruit of the Spirit in us, right? Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. This is a work that God is doing. Now, what we talked about last week was that one part of the gospel, one part of this process of sanctification is God doing a forgiving work, a redeeming work in our lives from the sin that we have committed, We kind of had to face the reality that we as people, as humans, are complicit in the fallenness of this world. We have contributed to the sin and fallenness of this world. And for that, we need forgiveness, which we have been provided in Christ. And for that, God is doing a work of rooting that out of us. But the other part of the gospel, and it's related, it overlaps The other part of the gospel, the other part of sanctification is this reality that God is also doing a healing work in us. Because every single one of us has grown up in a world racked by sin. Every single one of us has had people sin against us. Every single one of us have been a part of sinful systems. Every single one of us have bodies that are not invincible and break down and get sick and feel pain. Every single one of us have grieved. We've been battered from our time in this world. And God is doing a a healing work in us. Part of the gospel is God wants to heal our souls and our minds and our hearts from what we've experienced in this world. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning. How is it that the fact that we've been battered by living in this world, racked by sin, how is that formed character in us? And what does it mean that God wants to do a healing work in us as well. So to get started, uh, open your Bible, if you would, to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis 2. We're just going to read a couple of verses from Genesis 2 and 3. We have to go all the way back. We do this all the time to understand our human condition. We go back to these chapters, and so to understand what's happening in us, we need to read, starting in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25, and then a couple of verses in, in chapter 3. So obviously in Genesis 2, we're back before the fall. We're at creation. Everything is good. Chapter 2, verse 25 says, And the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, were both naked and were not ashamed. The Bible says they, they were naked. They were unclothed, completely exposed, if you will, and yet not ashamed. And jump over to chapter 3. Let's just read verses 7 and 8. This is after they committed the first sin against God. And then immediately, this is what happens. Verse 7, then, then after this sin, the eyes of both Adam and Eve were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They covered up 
And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What happened here? When the text says in chapter 3, verse 7, that the eyes of both were opened and they knew they were naked, what, what happened? Obviously, their visual hasn't changed. So what occurred in their heart? What occurred in their mind? You know, this, this word naked in chapter 2, verse 25 and 3, 7 is an, is an interesting Hebrew word. It's, it has more meaning than just being unclothed. And we've, we've said this before, but if you were to jump forward in your Bible to Genesis chapter 42 and look at verse 9, this is uh, the time where uh, Joseph has become a very high-ranking leader in uh, Egypt. Remember, his brothers sold him into slavery. This is at the end of Genesis. And through his time in slavery in Egypt, he actually rose up and became a very high-ranking government official. And there was a huge famine over the land, and through Joseph's wisdom, they stored up food. And so Joseph's brothers journeyed to Egypt to get food for their family. And they approached Joseph. Now, the brothers don't know that Joseph is a high-ranking government official. All right, so they don't recognize that as their brother, but Joseph sees his brothers approaching and knows, oh, that's my brothers. And so the brothers start to ask Joseph for food that they could take back to their land. And then Joseph said this, he accuses them of something. He says, you have come to spy out the nakedness of the land. Same word. Because this word has a connotation associated with it of vulnerability, weakness, areas that are open to attack. And so if you were to go back to Genesis 3 and it says the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked, what, what we can say here is something happened in them where they realized, I'm vulnerable. They realized, I can't trust you anymore. I can't trust God anymore. If, if I don't protect myself, if I don't cover up, if I don't take care of the vulnerabilities myself, then I'm going to get injured. Someone's going to come after me. It's not going to go well for me. So their instinct is cover. Don't be exposed anymore. Their instinct is to hide from God. And so then you have the rest of Genesis, the rest of the Bible, and the rest of human history after this. And, and what do we see, even from all of our own experience, is that we now look at the world and we see life with humanity calling the shots and not following after God. And what's the result of that? You have humanity sinning against each other, exploiting each other, abusing each other, manipulating each other. It is a world now racked with sin. It's not safe anymore. And it's a result of the fall. And whenever any of us are sinned against, whenever any, another person's sin gets directed at us, we have an instinct. It's the same instinct that Adam and Eve had. Right? We are wounded from that. We want to cover the wound. We don't want to be exposed. So we reach for the fig leaves. We cover up. 
and we keep people at a distance because we can't be vulnerable, we can't be open, we can't be weak. And so that's what we see Adam and Eve do. They opted to cover up, to hide, to distance because sin was now a reality in this world and it was no longer safe. And here's what I want us to think about this morning and that's this, that this reality forms character. Every one of your experiences in this world, hard experiences, where you've reached for the fig leaves to cover up, that has formed character in you. That has formed your personality and how you interact with other people. That has formed your relationships with your brothers and sisters and your mom and dad. That has formed your marriage. That has formed the way you parent that has formed your relationships in the workplace. It has formed your work ethic. It has formed every part of you. These things are a part of you now. They have formed character in you. And, and I want you to know this morning, and I'm longing that the Holy Spirit would make this clear to each of us, is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not just about forgiving you of your sin. It is that, and it's also healing you from a time in a sinful world. That the gospel of the kingdom is about redeeming us from our sin and making all things new, bringing restoration. And so the work that God invites us into, right, this sanctification journey that we're on, God forming character and righteousness in us, includes remembering the times when we've been sinned against, acknowledging the impact it has had on us, and allowing God to do a healing work. You know, um, I already mentioned this a little bit, but one of the greatest joys of my job, I, 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 there's so much good about my job, right? I get to teach the Bible. I get to lead a church. I mean, it, there's so much good to that. But the greatest joy of my job is, is the opportunity to help you heal. And that largely, that doesn't happen from a stage. I mean, that's, that's just the relationship. But, you know, maybe your marriage is in a spot where it's largely stable. But there's just some low-lying bitterness there. There's some irritation you have at each other. And you just learn to live with it. And maybe something happened a while back. Hurt. You threw some fig leaves on. The fig leaves were, you know what? I'm just never going to speak my mind again. It's not worth it. I'll just learn to live with the irritation. But you wonder why you're always irritated. And you ask the question, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get over this? Maybe you had critical parents growing up. They never, they never told you they were proud of you. They didn't celebrate the wins. They always just found what was wrong. They always had a critical word. Always something that you could improve upon. And, and maybe that hurt a little bit. And so you grab the fig leaves and you, and you realize, you know what? No one's ever going to be disappointed in me again. And so you work and you work and you work and you drive and you drive and you drive. And people wonder what's wrong with you. You wonder what's wrong with me. I think of my own story. 
I was so hyper as a kid, and I, I got so much ridicule from so many people from the way that I was as a kid. I, I remember I threw some fig leaves on, and I just decided I will never annoy someone with my emotions again. And so I'm not going to show when I'm sad. I'm not going to show when I'm excited. I'm not going to show when I'm happy. I'm just going to be stoic. It doesn't matter what happens. Leaving my wife wondering, like, why does this guy not feel anything? Threw some fig leaves on. And I wonder, what's wrong with me? Why? What's going on inside of me? Maybe when you were a kid, elementary school, someone showed you pornography for the first time, and a whole bunch of stuff started to happen inside of you. It was intriguing, but for some reason you felt like this was bad, and then you heard that this was bad, but you were intrigued, and so you threw some fig leaves on, and you started hiding, but more and more, and now you've been addicted ever since, and you've been beating yourself up for 30 years. Maybe at some point in your life you were abused, abandoned, maybe you lost a loved one, and that was so painful that you had to throw some fig leaves on and you had to say, nothing is ever gonna get close to me again that can hurt me. I'm keeping everyone at a distance from this point forward. And you long for relationship, but you won't allow yourself to have it. And you go, what's wrong with me, right? I I could just keep going, going. I'm thinking like maybe you grew up as a minority in a majority culture. And that was made very apparent to you through people's comments and things that you've experienced. And so when you spoke up to share your experience, you just had people say, you're overplaying it. That's not what happened. And so you threw some fig leaves on. You said, okay, well, I'll just keep silent. And bitterness and anger grows in you. You go, what's wrong with me? I I mean, I just could keep going on. And what I see so many times in the church family is when we think about this idea of growth and sanctification and God growing character in us and the fruits of the Spirit growing in us, what I, what I see so many times is this. We are so good at asking the question, what's wrong with me? We are so good at asking the question, what's wrong with you? What Why about you you falling short so much? And the question that we never ask is what happened to you? And I think there's some of you in this room this morning that you've never been asked that question. And you've never allowed yourself to ask yourself that question. What happened? And listen, I'm be honest. There's a lot of people, too, in the church that would scoff at that question. You know, and say, hey, you know, you, oh, listen, Alan, all that's doing is blame shifting your sin onto someone else. If you, yeah, there's issues with you. Okay, maybe some hard things happened, but whenever we go down that road, we're simply blaming other people. We're not taking responsibility for my own sin. And I would say, you know what? That never works. Ignoring the question never works. No, this is doing the work alongside of God of understanding what is in me because you know what? I care about righteousness. I care about the fruit of the Spirit. I care about how I impact other people. 
I care about the joy that God wants to grow in me. And so I'm going to do the work. Or, or maybe you go, come on, Alan, listen, hard things are going to happen. It's a hard world. And what we got to do is we got to be resilient, we got to trust God, and we got to push forward, keeping our eye on heaven. And yes, there's a level of that that is so true that one day we're going to go and all of this is going to be made new. And we keep our eyes there. But pushing forward sometimes means this. Just put the fig leaves on. It's more comfortable that way. And it's not as awkward. Allow the fig leaves to form your character and not God and his word. Ignore the fact that this has produced stuff in you that's impacting your relationships with other people. We're too quick to scoff at this idea that I need to be healed. Because it's a good way to avoid the question. What happened? You know, it's like if you got a, an actual flesh wound. And of course, we need to bandage it up. We need to clean it. But for it to heal, it, it needs to be exposed to air. Right? If you got a wound and you just sealed it up and you never cleaned it out and you never let it be exposed, it's going to fester, it's going to get infected, and it's going to get worse, and it's going to hurt worse. And so many of us have that instinct. Just cover up. Put the fig leaves on. It's not bothering me. And yet it hurts more and more. And so we start living life covering up and stonewalling people. Don't get close. Because if you touch it, it's going to hurt. And we don't even realize that we're doing this. When what we need to do is, it, is expose it, let, let air come in, clean it out, let it heal. There will be a scar. But let it heal. And, and what I want us to realize this morning is that sanctification in righteousness is just as much about letting God heal us from our wounds as it is letting God redeem us from our sin. And many of us are good with the latter, but we won't let God come near the stuff that's happened to us. And so here's my question. How does the gospel help us heal from being battered in a sinful world? How does the gospel help us heal from being battered in a sinful world? It's two quick ways. Here's the first one. Because our salvation is the beginning of our sanctification and not a result of it. Do you understand what I mean by that? Let me just stop there. What I mean by that is God begins this work in us after he saves us. He doesn't save us once we finish the work. And because that's a reality, that means we're free to let God do all kinds of work in us without fear that he will abandon us. Because our salvation is the beginning of our sanctification and not a result of it, we are invited to explicitly offer to the Lord all that is in us. All that is in us. See, because in the gospel, in Christ, you have already been accepted, right? There's nothing that you successfully covered with fig leaves that God did not know was already there before he saved you. And it's not as if you start doing the work of uncovering what's in there that he's going to be like, whoa, I didn't know that. 
You are already fully known and fully loved in Christ. And so you can bring to God all that's in you. Let me give you an example. Lamentations, chapter 3. I want you to read this text with me. I'm going to read a lot of text, verses 1 to to 26. Lamentations is a book of laments, hence the name Lamentations. Most scholars think Jeremiah wrote it, but we don't really know who wrote it. But the author wrote it in the midst of Jerusalem being invaded by the Babylonians. And the writer of this prayer brings all of himself to God, every piece of it. Like, read this with me. Lamentations 3, I'm going to go 1 to 26. The author prays this to God. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He's talking to God. He has besieged and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever felt permission to accuse God of that? He has blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He has made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. Ever feel like God's just waiting for you to mess up? He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has laid me, he has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrow. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I've become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So is my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never, ever, ever come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I think one of the things you see here is you see this writer of this prayer. He's coming before the Lord and he's taking off the fig leaves. You want to know how I really feel? 
You want to know what's really going on inside of me? Here is all of it, God. No more fake, pious, religious sayings. No, no, here's all of what's in me because that's what the Lord wants from you. He wants you and your heart. Here's everything that I want to offer you. And my question for us is, have we ever felt the permission to do that with God? Express our anger, express our hurt, express our confusion, express our pain. Express all of ourselves to him because the Bible invites you to do that. So the first thing we see is because our salvation is the beginning of our sanctification and not a result of it, we're invited to explicitly offer to the Lord all that's in us. That's one. And here's two. Because our salvation is the beginning of our sanctification and not a result of it, we are invited to explicitly offer to God's people all that is in us. You know, the Bible says that the church, his people, are literally the body of Christ. The body of Christ. In that each of us are individually members of it. 1 Corinthians 12, it's exactly what it says. That we're literally a part of of one body. So 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so what this is saying is that if one of us is wounded, then all of us are a part of the healing process. Why? Because as a body, this is the exact analogy in 1 Corinthians 12. It, we're members of a, of a body, right? And so if I injure my foot, I'm not going to just be like, ah, amputate it, get rid of it. It's slowing us down. It, it no longer works. Uh, we're ashamed of the foot now, so toss it out. It's, it's not that. No, the entire body slows down, compensates, helps cares, and is working toward the healing of the member that is wounded. That's the exact analogy we get in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we don't cut it off. What's wrong with you? No, we slow down to heal. And the biblical vision of the church is that this would be a place more like the kingdom of God than like the world, a place where it is safe to take the fig leaves off, share what's going on in us, express the things that we've experienced in this world, and together as a body with God's help by the Holy Spirit, engage in the healing process, the growth process, the sanctification process. I mean, that's our exact design behind our community groups. It's why we spent much of this year sharing our stories with one another. We want to create environments where we can come in and we can say, I'm not doing well. I need help. We can create environments where our relationships become strong enough where we can actually engage in care and help each other in this process that God has us in, forming character in us. See, when we build a culture where we can share honestly without shame, not only do we supercharge sanctification, 
we learn we're not alone. And the fruits of the Spirit just start to grow like crazy. Like crazy. It's like fertilizer on it. Why? Because as we begin to share honestly with each other, we realize Oh, wow, I didn't realize that's what you were going through. Before, I was feeling harsh towards you. Now I feel gentle. Before, I was feeling annoyed with you, and now I feel compassion. Before, I never thought to pray for you, and now I pray for you every night. And I check in with you on Sunday morning, and I long for you to be at community group. Man, when we create a spot where we can do that, sanctification, growth, giving glory to God, all of that supercharged. We have an environment where we don't share that stuff with each other. Fruits of the Spirit will not grow. We can fake sanctification, but it will not be real. We can look holy, but it won't be substantive because we're a body. And this is what we're designed to do with each other. Now, I gotta say this. Band, if you guys wanna come on up, you can. I know for some of us, this is true of me. This is true of my story. So I know for some of us, the church has been a place of deep wounding. And so everything that I'm saying, you're like, man, that's a great vision, Alan, but I'm not in. It's gonna be straight. I'm not in. Because the church has been a place of deep wounding. And I, I, I wish that I could stand on this stage and honestly say that this place will never be a place of wounding for you. I can't guarantee that. But all I can do as the pastor of this church, as one of the leaders of this church, is I could say that my longing for this church is that it would be a safe place for us to be known that it would be a safe place for God to do an incredible work inside each of us. That each of us, as a member of this body, would take it upon themselves to go, I wanna be a person that is safe for people to share what's going on with them with me. I wanna be a person that doesn't jump to conclusions and assumptions. I wanna be a person that is going to be quick to listen and very slow to speak. I wanna be a person that God will use to help bring healing in someone's life. And all we can do as a church is pray that God would do that here. We can just push in that direction and we can be really quick to listen when we fail at it. But that's my longing for this church. And here's my question for all of us. Will we take the risk of being the kind of church that God envisions in the Bible Being the kind of church where the fruit of the Spirit just is growing like crazy. But it's going to take us taking the risk of taking off the fig leaves. Allowing ourselves to be known. Working hard at knowing others. Engaging with each other. And letting God do his healing work. So I'd like to practice this morning. I'm going to pray in just a few moments. And uh, our prayer team is going to come up. We're going to have a few folks up front, and we're going to have some folks in the back. And if you would like prayer this morning for anything, I invite you to come and be cared for by your brothers and sisters. 
And it could be for anything. You don't have to, and you don't have to come up and share. If you want, you can share with them or you could just ask for prayer and they're happy to pray for you. But if you got anger and bitterness that you've just been holding on to for your entire life, I invite you to come up and ask for prayer. And let's begin the healing work. It's not overnight. Let's just start it. Maybe you need healing from something physical in your body. Your body's sick, broken, hurt, decaying. I want to invite you to come and ask for prayer for your body. Our team wants to pray over you. I don't know what it is. I'm just praying that the Holy Spirit right now, individually for each of you, would just begin to bring up the stuff that you need healing for. Because every one of us does. It's not just the weak among us. God, I pray right now that you would do a work that we cannot manufacture. I'm just praying for the people just in my head right now, God, that, Lord, you would begin a healing work in them. And that, God, that these fruits of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness would begin to sprout all over this place because we're opening ourselves up for the work that you want to do in us, Lord. We pray that you would do that right now. In Christ's name, amen. Our band's going to lead us. Feel free to come up and receive prayer or in the back, sit in your chair. We'll just see what the Lord does.